And so now we're all in a pause as artists where we're thinking, what am I putting out in the world? How am I contributing and how am I supporting my black brothers and sisters and also being an ally as a non-white person in the arts? For fuck's sake, a theater podcast, a.k.a. 4FS Podcast, Episode 6, Pandemic Thoughts. All right, here we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode six of For Fuck's Sake, a theater podcast, a.k.a. 4FS Podcast. We are back here with our boys, Cheech and Danny. I'm so excited to have them here. We are uh, here with Cheech Manohar and Danny Marin, fucking kicking it out for us for episode two of the month. I'm Aaron Salazar. If you'd like to know a little bit more about us, go back and listen to episode five. Uh, But I don't want to discount Danny and Cheech's accomplishments. So let me give you a little catch up about them. So Danny Marin is a New York City-based artist and award-winning producer. He has worked with such badasses as Jay Armstrong Johnson, Sherry Renee Scott, whose name is very hard to spell, I found out, Norbert Leo Butts. Uh, he has been nominated several times by Broadway World for his best show and best solo show that he himself performed and uh, was most recently in Mrs. Fletcher on HBO. Let's move on over to Cheech Manohar. He is a Syracuse drama alum, and most recently, and currently, he is playing Kevin G in Broadway's Mean Girls, the musical. But before that, he actually brought Mean Girls in from the National Theater in D.C. He's been in Mary Poppins and New Kid at Syracuse Stage, and he's also a trained Bollywood dancer who also teaches workshops all over. And that's just a little bit. If you want to hear more about that, go back. Go back to episode five and listen up on these gentlemen as we continue the conversation. But everyone, let's welcome Cheech and Danny. Yes, let's hear for them. It's been such a gift to have you boys here. All this young, youthful energy. Guys, how are you? Oh, we're good. You know, it's it's been a it's been a week that's been very exciting. Um, I'm glad to see that so many people are listening to podcasts or that have fallen into the podcast game over the course of this pandemic. Kind of a lovely silver lining of it all. Absolutely. Danny, how have you been holding up? You've had a busy week. Yeah, it's been a little exhausting, but all good things, all good things. I went up to a mansion to do some scouting for a a visual album project that I'm working on that's coming out in the fall. So a lot of time was, was spent driving and driving. And driving. Getting down to New York and getting some fresh air. Now, this is something that we have to talk about. I didn't say this in his bio, but Danny, in a response to fucking the patriarchy, started his own production company called Con Limon Productions. That's C O N L I M O N Productions. And you can look it up on Con Limon Pro. I'll actually put it in the links. Uh, on all of our social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Check it out, everyone. Danny, why don't you tell us a little bit about Con Limon? Yeah, it started as, you know, a small little idea I've been producing for the last few years and decided it was time for me to actually brand and to really have my pillars of success kind of out there and just show what what kind of projects I want to be working on. And the biggest thing is about amplification and advocacy for underrepresented people. Um, So I started a theater company. Well, it's more than a theater company. It's a production company, but it's like multimedia 
And yeah, we're doing some really awesome shit. And first of all, something that I, I'm so proud of is to have another one of my Latin brothers out here doing the dam. Because the one thing that is very clear is especially on the, well, no, on all sides of the table, on the back end of the table, there's virtually no one who isn't white. So it's really amazing that at this young age, you're kicking this out. And by the way, everyone, the branding for this company is off the fucking hook. And, I mean, uh, it's sexy. This it's logo, so sexy. this yeah. branding. Did you see that? Yeah. Some of this merch. It's yeah, he's got, he's, got, he's got he's got merch. It says "Serving You Social Equality." And what's the other tagline for the company about uh, oh, the patriarchy? When life gives you lemons, dismantle the white patriarchy. In case you were wondering, everyone. You know, very subtle. So Cone Limon Productions, we will definitely dive more into that as well as we keep moving forward. It's about that time to talk about all the shit that's hitting the fan every week. It is a tumultuous time as we move forward going towards this election. It is an unending spiral of news. I'm sure all of you are absorbing it as much as you can. I know I am. Uh, maybe too much. Maybe too much. Maybe too much. We, we need to be informed. So let's talk about the elephant in the world. Not even the room. That analogy doesn't really hold. But the coronavirus, which is why the world has changed for, as we know it. So as we know, they're working on a fast track for a vaccine, which is great, right? But I have to say, a few weeks back, I was talking to some peers slash friends. And I, I called it. I was like, Gilead, I bet you anything is going to try to corner that market. And I guarantee you that everyone's all excited about this vaccine, but that shit is not going to be affordable. And that was confirmed. So Gilead has 2 million-ish uh, vaccines, 2 million-ish units ready to distribute the vaccine, which is not really still not enough. But they finally named their price, and it's upwards of $3,000 with private insurance, which there's nothing like a price gouge during a pandemic in a capitalist system. Which actually, the other day I read something very interesting, guys, how the people were like, I'm a capitalist. And uh, this one professor, whose name I should respectfully remember, but I don't right now, she said, no, you work for capitalists. The people who own the companies that cut your checks are the capitalist. You are merely a laborer. But I digress. What are your thoughts, gentlemen, on that information? Because to me, I think that sets the bar for where everyone else is going to land in terms of pricing. Well, if there's anything to be said about our government and how we view medicine, it's that money always overpowers the lives. So at the end of the day, they'd much rather have a bigger profit and have more deaths that don't cost them a thing. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, I think the the best quote that I read about it, it called it a, a gigantic act of hubris. <laughs> and that's that is really what it comes across as. It is it is this overwhelming like Achilles heel level pride to base this life-saving vaccine even in its early stages, at over $3,000 for a five-day treatment. It's 
there there is something really really shameful to be said about the fact that the entire world shut down for this and now that we are coming starting to come out the other side with some kind of scientific medical uh attack for it um that it's already at its inception overshadowed by greed by pride this kind of greed and pride is run by this white supremacy because you know that the people that are going to be affected are the people in the primarily black communities and the primarily brown communities. Um, uh, I mean, low-income households, the ones that are getting hit the hardest, forget about it. You think they're going to be able to dole out 3K for a five-day treatment and that's if they can afford private insurance? I mean, it's insane. Well, and that's what's so true about that too, is even if it was ineffective, cost-effective rather, so many people in our country don't even believe that this this whole thing even exists. So just getting them to like the anti-vaxxers to do this, to try to get better, it's just, it's literally just like such a shit show. You know, it's funny. I feel like there's going to be a lot of hypocrisy with those anti-vaxxers, right? I'm suspect that a lot of those people who are anti vaccine are sure the hell going to take this because I don't know. I just, I have a feeling. I just, I have a feeling. And I wonder to your point, Cheech, if it will almost be out of a feeling of supremacy to like, absolutely. Yeah. It's it to put it at this kind of price point is to create a kind of hunger games level capital. Oh my! You know, you go, the people at the top, who are the people that are already benefiting from this pandemic can get back to work quicker. Mm -hmm. Uh, Who who does it, who does it help? What is the point of um, science and medicine if not to help people? And what does putting it at this price level do to help anyone except the people that are already being helped? It doesn't. Absolutely. And apparently polio was, when the polio vaccine came out, that was free of charge to the general masses. I mean, granted, it was a very, very different time, but it goes to show that there was more of a sense of civic... Responsibility. Civic responsibility, exactly, to deal with that. Because also, too, the reason I think that hit the Achilles heel was because it was affecting children. It is such a merciful thing that this pandemic wasn't exclusively killing children. Because I think, to be honest with you, if that was happening on top of all the tragedy and death that was happening around us with the adults, I think it would have been unbearable for the world to cope with. But, and I say this, but with not saying uh, it it should have been, I also think that's what made people kind of not care. Because then people who like felt like it didn't exist were like, well, my kids aren't sick and I didn't get sick and blah, 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 blah. So, you know, we're fine. Do you know what I'm saying? Because nothing hits close to home. And also, let's talk about the ages a minute. Everyone, it really brought out a lot of people's, well, I mean, it's only the 80-year-olds that are getting sick. Now, I'm not saying everyone felt that way because how many of us with our grandparents and parents were nervous as fuck about this situation? It's the reason I didn't go home to California Mm -hmm. after my grandpa got sick because I literally discussed this with someone else too. I'm like, if I was the reason that my grandpa parent got infected, I could never live with myself. But I think there's also that part of the world that doesn't care who thought, well, it's demographically 
not white people and old people already marginalized communities in the eyes of certain mindsets, right? So who cares? And the kids aren't dying, so... Yeah, but it's a real privilege to think about it in terms of demographics, right? In One million percent. To, to even be able to go, well, these are the kinds of people that are being affected by it. To even say that, you have to stand from a place of such insane privilege. Yeah. Because if you existed outside of that bubble, you would stop thinking of these people as demographics and start thinking of them as real people with real families and real lives that have been interrupted and sometimes destroyed by this pandemic. Yeah. And for me, it kind of, this conversation kind of goes back to what we talked about last week, as far as the children go, our government and our, and people don't give a shit about the younger kids. Like the fact that they are going back to school in this whole thing without a vaccine is Mm -hmm. garbage and a half. Like that is so fucked up. Uh, What I really loved that came out what yesterday um, or a couple days ago was AOC calling out Cuomo about if, uh, why is there indoor public schooling if there's no indoor public eating in restaurants? And I think that that is so fucking true and it's it's the worst well and the thing that's so insidious is that i actually saw this in in my own circle a friend's best friend got covid fortunately recovered i mean it it it, it was rough and then they found out that their son who i think is under the age of eight was riddled with it and they didn't know because he was asymptomatic mm. and so that is like these, you're basically creating these little ticking time bombs that are going back to their parents, to uh, anyone, who, anyone who's not a child, going to grandparents. And then maybe even if, if it doesn't affect that family, they're breathing and talking and spitting all over everyone else. Yeah. It, well, we, we also think that we're the exception. Yeah. I, th- I, think we, mm-hmm. I think we all personally just... Oh, oh yeah. I'm doing everything that I can. I'm in my social pods. Like, I'm not sick, but like, or I have antibodies, so it's fine. And like, the amount of people that we encounter by being so lax just spreads it even further. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I wonder- mean, and that's adults. That's like adults with full grown willpowers and the ability to think rationally. And then when you move that to children, I mean, come on. Come on, be be serious here. And let, let's not forget like the absolute hypocrisy that like in March we were calling our teachers heroes. We were like, oh my gosh, teachers are going above and beyond. I can't believe they do this every day. They don't get paid enough. And now here in September after, after what, like four months of our lives being interrupted, it's like, oh, teachers are so selfish. Like why won't why won't they they go back to school and just like educate our children? I'm like, we do you know the amount of money and resources that went into like creating baseball again and 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 basketball and football and and these uh, gigantic sports like industries? These are industries with unlimited resources, and even they are struggling to contain this pandemic. I mean, can you imagine a teacher that has to buy their own crayons? I can't. You know where they could get the money? From defunding the police. Yeah, that is another Whoa. episode. 
Yeah, and it's funny, my you know, so many people that that topic, which deserves its own segment, and we'll give it that for sure before we end this month. My sister, who's a teacher, both my sisters are teachers. Uh, you know, you know how it is, Danny. We've talked about this. I don't know if it's the same way for you, Cheech, but you know, there's a lot of Latin people who weirdly are conservatives. I don't know why. I, I a lot of it, frankly, it has to do with abortion. It's it's the pro life, pro choice situation that I tend to find sways people, which I'm not going to talk on that right now, but I can understand that being a line in the sand that sometimes makes people vote for a fucking monster, right? Now, going back to the defunding, my sister, that situation with the police is finally what opened up her eyes. She goes, we get defunded all the time. And it was her realizing that saying that statement does not mean that there will never be anyone around who's trained well to take action when there's danger. So she she's like, I'm still here. We're defunded constantly. It doesn't mean that we go away. It's and just, everyone, everyone is. People everyone are constantly is. being yeah. defunded the arts, all the time. Teachers, medicine, healthcare, right? So oof, we tapped into something and we're going to keep going. But to bring it back around, Gilead is the company that is in charge of PrEP. If anyone doesn't know what PrEP is, pretty incredible solution to prevention for HIV. Now, that that medicine, this is what made me realize Gilead was going to pull this shit. With a copay, with insurance, that's still like 800 bucks. However, Gilead has a subsidy program that people sign up for. And you can get it for free, and there are now programs where it's free. So I wonder if they've set that precedent to be able to create those programs. Now, don't get me wrong. Someone's paying for it. Nothing's free. But I wonder if that's Gilead's way of being like, all right, so we've like, we're doing this with HIV. Let's do this with COVID. I wonder if Gilead is trying to corner the market on these major viruses, and that's why they named that price in order to maybe create the same kind of situation where people can get cards. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, it's not an uncommon business tactic, right? You set you set a price point that creates a, an idea of exclusivity. Yes. So then people at the top clamor to be a part of that exclusive product. And then people lower down the food chain start to create systems of achieving that exclusivity. And either way, the people at the top benefit. It's not an uncommon business tactic. It, it happens across the board. And we saw it happened pretty frequently at at the very beginning of this pandemic uh, with the insane price gouging that we started to see across the board. I mean, when you know you really crossed a line when like toilet paper becomes an exclusive product that that only large corporations can start to get in bulk again. I mean... And masks. And masks, hand sanitizer. I mean, why should the vaccine be any different? But I just think it's so crazy to me and i know that this is like what a lot of us feel but like the fact that we are monetizing on people living or dying is bonkers to me yeah it's absolutely insane yes yes it is literally the hunger games it's the hunger games yeah and like Mm -hmm. i understand i understand that there's supply and demand as far as like we have x amount of resources so like who can't you know what i mean like that maybe that will fund 
more like the free stuff, like who knows, but like the fact that there's not like a plan set in stone, like from the gate, like out the gate is just, well, I mean, we know why there's no fucking plan set in stone because we have no leadership. <laughs> so. And, and the leadership that we do have, and it was trying to cut off its own arm for the, the first two months of, of this first. Th- why am I saying two months? That's being so generous. The first like four months of this pandemic. Oh it was like, God, has pandemic. It been? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. All those, what is that thing going around now where everyone does like their favorite celebrity and they do the 12 months or up until oh, August? the 2020 challenge? The 2020 challenge? Yeah. I mean, God bless everyone trying to have a sense of humor about the situation, but, and then there you go. Like, to, And then topically, not that I really want to over talk about this, but our little Shrek theme song people, Smash Mouth, right? Like, come on guys. Like you were so benign. I can never listen to that theme song happen again without thinking about what assholes you are. They had a huge uh, concert and people weren't wearing masks and the guy openly said some crazy shit about like, fuck COVID, blah, blah, blah. And there you go. It's like when you have these people, uh, celebrities, there's not a lot of them, but some of these celebrities speaking up and doing crazy shit like that, it just infuses stupidity. (laughs) I mean, and that is exactly the... um the place to make that statement. That is exactly the place to go, you know, F COVID like, uh, and Smash Smash Mouth has been like secretly problematic for years up to this point. Is that true? I don't know much about it. Wait, 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 let's unpack that for me. Oh, okay. So the front man of Smash Mouth is like famous for like flipping out on stage. Oh. And they, they do a lot of these like smaller, venues or they open for other people and because of that they could a lot of it goes kind of unrecorded undocumented unrecorded and undocumented because you know it's it's smash mouth being an opener everyone knows them from shrek but they've been kind of like secretly a menace for a bit wow um and have been secretly like uh very anti like stopping performing for COVID and they, their team, um, their managerial team has kind of doubled down in the wake of this concert and gone, no, 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 we were, we were really conscientious about it. Everything backstage was sanitized. Every, we have an extra like COVID writer in our, uh, in our contract and it, they don't acknowledge at all the fact that there were thousands of people standing less than six less than six feet apart from each other not wearing masks in the audience i mean you want to talk about a level of privilege i mean if you if you want to talk about denying the truth here or misguiding the public saying everything backstage was super clean was super sanitized we have a covid writer and then not acknowledging the thousands of people uh, attending that festival, not wearing masks, drinking, standing so close to each other, sweating on each other. I mean, it, it just goes to show you the the level of insanity. Also, like, who is going to a Smash Mouth concert in 2020? Like, I are, mean, like, come on. are they the like headliner for like white supremacy? Like, what it? What is the? I don't. What is the? also on top of that they are writing a goddamn broadway musical so if that shit is not canceled when we come back i'm gonna have some words for some of these white producers i mean what do you think though let's be real 
Oh, no, no, no. I, I, it's, it's so, I mean, that's really the hilarious thing to me. It's for all the hills to die on and <laughs> like maybe like literally die on smash mouth Girl, is what you threw yourself at. I can't really. I mean, I, it, I mean, I love Shrek. I am, yes. I am a huge Shrek fan, but you gotta, I mean, we gotta draw the line somewhere. If you're gonna risk your life and the lives of thousands of other people, you you gotta hold out for someone a little better than Smash Mouth. All I know is you know that there were some DreamWorks executives who saw that and literally all the color drained from their body. Yeah. Because they're not about that shit at all. I mean, they're no, like, wait no. a second, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Like, you're so tethered to one of our hugest franchises ever. Yeah. I mean, who cares? They're super rich, but there you have it. I mean, <laughs> but thank you for saying that. I, like, of all the hills to die on, it's like, I don't mean to laugh mouth? at these people, but yo, come on. <laughs> yeah, like, I I don't want to, like, you know, minimize your trauma here or whatever, but at the same time, I'm not advocating going to a packed concert. I'm just saying if you are going to do something so insanely stupid, at least get some better music out of it. Uh, agreed. Agreed. Oh, my God. Okay. So that feels like a perfect segue into the capital two C's that are a huge part of what's happening right now. The capital two C's. Can you guess them, kids? Cancel culture. Yes. Cancel culture. This hits, I feel, particularly close to home in our industry. There's also the notion of some people saying you can't cancel someone who's wealthy and famous because they don't really lose anything. And then there's the more insidious cancel culture of sort of attacking the worker bees, which I also find to be kind of questionable at best. There's lots to unpack here. Gentlemen, feel free. Take it away, Danny. <laughs> the the big inhale from both of us. Everyone, just so you all know, we're all looking at each other on camera, okay? It's, I wish it was recording, actually. So actually, I'm going to throw this out there. I am working on a Patreon where you will get some exclusive content, but we'll deal with that later. Anyway, all right. So, Danny, what are your thoughts on this? As far as cancel culture goes... I understand why it exists because people are so angry and so frustrated at this time that they don't know what else to do but to kind of say, no, we don't want to see you anymore. But for what it is that you kind of just said, as far as like rich people and celebrities will always have a platform, we just saw it with Dave Chappelle bringing Louis C.K. on stage. There's always, especially for like rich white people, there's always a redemption period. And if we've learned anything in our pop culture, it's that we strive for the like anti-heroes. We cheer for them. Yes. And interestingly enough, according to the pop culture kind of dictionary definition, I'm just going to read it to everyone. Officially, at least according to whoever decided to manifest this into words, cancel culture refers to the popular practice of withdrawing support for parentheses, canceling, public figures and companies after they have done or said something considered objectionable or offensive. Cancel culture is generally discussed as being performed on social media in the form of group shaming. It's, so It's please. kind of the easiest thing to do, right? Like canceling someone is the easiest thing that you can do after they say something objectionable. 
it's similar to going over to a relative's home, them saying something offensive, and then you just removing yourself from the situation. Yes. There's actually a much harder process involved outside the world or perhaps adjacent to the world of cancel culture, which includes not only having conversations with those people that have said something objectionable, but doing the work, A, within yourself to figure out if any of your beliefs align with the beliefs of the celebrity that has, you know, said the wrong thing on Twitter, or B, finding other celebrities to look up to. Amen. It's it's a much harder job to do, and it's much, much easier to just say, you know what, I don't want to see this anymore. I don't want to have to deal with this anymore. Or reacting out of fear and going, well, if I'm aligned with this human anymore, then what will people think of me? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. 100 million percent. Yes. And that's where it trickles down, like all things in pop culture, trickling down, trickling down, right? To, I dare say, the everyday people Mm -hmm. of social circles or smaller industries, right? Like the theater industry. This is where I find it to be very interesting. Is someone canceling... Okay, let's just say it. People have been saying in the arts, because ultimately this is a theater podcast. See what I did there? (laughs) I have found it interesting because people have been saying... Frankly, actually, I think out of of trying to be productive in terms of race, in terms of racism, right? People have been saying some stupid shit because after all, to quote Sally Field from also now the problematic soap dish, I never said I was a perfect mother. I'm just a working actress. That's where it's sort of funny with people in the arts because, I mean, one, I'm going to say this as a director, one of the reasons I love working on a show is because other brilliant people manifest words that sound articulate, right? And as actors and performers, we're someone creates material and then we perform said material or manifest the said material. So I feel like there's a grain of salt when artists express themselves, and I'm not giving excuses, and maybe on occasion say some stupid shit. And what's been happening in our community, and tell me if, if this is your perception as well, is people canceling people within our own community. I'm like, how are you going to publicly group shame a human being who said something stupid but is out of work, unemployed, probably making $182 a week in a very small circle of people who you can actually fuck up their life? Well, I want to say a couple things about that. I don't believe in cancel culture. And so I remember seeing something on social media about um, not calling it, not calling people out, but calling people in. I like that. And it's a, and and I think that that's a really great thing. I think, I think we have to remember on a certain level that rehabilitation and relearning is very important for for changing people's minds and changing how we speak and how we react to certain things. So I think that that's really important as far far as call-in culture goes. I think at this point, with every conversation and all of this stuff that we are being literally bombarded with, all of this new information on like how to say things, how to not say things, I think those people that do get called out for like or canceled or whatever have an opportunity to say, I didn't realize what I was saying. 
thank you so much in a way that does, isn't just a press release. I think that there, I think that that's been the biggest thing for me seeing people coming out with the like, Oh, I went to this like blackface party when I was in college and like, I didn't know any better, but like now I'm an advocate and I don't like now I would call myself out for that. So I want to bring that out before it resurfaced. You know what I mean? Like, I just think that there is, there is a huge gray area because people are trying to learn. I totally agree. And by the way, this is not to give any excuses to the larger organizations with entire bodies and committees who have clearly been racist as fuck. You knew what you were doing. And when the receipts are endless in that shit, I don't mean people learning or people making mistakes, but just open fucking racism said in an organization. And I just want to clarify that to the listener, not to Teach and Danny, that we're talking about amongst ourselves as a group of artists. I I agree with you, Danny, that there needs to be a modicum of empathy and allowing someone to learn. What what do you think about that, Teach? Um, Yeah, I think there's a very different approach to uh, handling internalized racism within an organization and handling internalized racism within a human being. I I, I feel similarly to this situation that I I feel to the way that I felt when I first came out to my parents. Mm. Um, When I, when I first came out to my parents, they were, they, the, the thing that they said was we love you and we support you, but we don't approve of this. And we don't think we're ever going to be okay Mm -hmm. with this. And I had to take a second to realize that, They were born in another country at a different time where Mm -hmm. it was still a crime to be gay. Mm -hmm. And I had to go, you know, I'm never going to be able to expect them to accept me for who I am if I don't accept that this is where they are right now. Yes. And you have to be able to model the empathy that you wish to see from other people. Oh, my God. And if... If there is a person, if there is a celebrity that you have an issue with, you need to be able to model what you want to see from them. Give them a chance to learn. Give them a chance to explain themselves. If it's not a satisfactory uh, response, then that's another conversation to be opened. But we can't just go about putting up blinders to all of the things that frustrate us because then what happens is we live in a we already live in our small bubbles and those bubbles just become smaller and smaller yes to all of that no and i i think we're we're seeing it again it's not an uncommon trend wherever there is a culture there is a counterculture mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right and we see it a lot of times with primarily uh black and latinx artists where if they start in the counterculture and then move to the culture, mm-hmm. there is this argument that they lose this authenticity, that they've betrayed their community. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and then we turn on them. And I don't mm-hmm. think we do the same thing to white artists. I think when white mm-hmm. artists achieve mainstream success, it's like, wow, look at them. They built themselves up from, from scratch. But there's this inherent need... Uh, even within our own communities, to kind of diss artists that have reached this 
mainstream success. And I think the easiest way to diss them is to latch on to things that they say that we disagree with and cancel them. And it, it, it's tough because I understand the, I understand the hurt that comes along when one of your favorite celebrities or one of your favorite people says something that feels so contrary to what you believe in. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, we have to be conscientious in the way that we correct people. And we have to be aware that it takes a lot longer for a artist of color to build themselves back up than it does a white, uh, a white artist. Yes, 1 million percent. Jesus Christ, that hit close to home. This is something that at the root of everything, we have to lead from love. I know that might sound like some really, like, it's funny, I want to say hippie, but I don't know if you young people think of hippies, but that might sound like a very, like, you like know, put it on a throw pillow. Yeah, it might sound yeah. like something that your aunt has, you know, where you know they have the love thing in their kitchen. And you're like, where did you get that, Aunt, <laughs> aunt Susan? And you're like, oh, isn't it nice? And you're like, yeah, it's cute. <laughs> Someone's worst character defect is they have like a love thing, of course, over their like herb set. I'm like, good for you. Um, <laughs> no, but that being said, it's like you know there are much worse things to attack in the world. But I agree, we really do have to lead from a place of love, especially right now that. There is so much insidious darkness all around us. Because the truth of the matter is, one of the things I think about a lot with this current situation that's, I'm putting in quotation marks, running things, is as a director, I always want to get to the root of someone's character traits. So I think to myself, what is the end goal? Like if we were looking at this on paper as like a character development and a breakdown, right? I would think to myself, what are these characters' goals? Like what is the end game? And like, what will they really get from it? And the thing that terrifies me about the current situation is that it's dark because I can't find the empathy. I don't understand. I can't find any empathy. And the the lack of empathy terrifies me. And exactly to your point, Cheech, I can't allow my rage to affect my empathy with the people in my own circle that I love. And one one thing that, that this time in history is causing is a lot of conflict amongst family, amongst friends, amongst colleagues. But if we don't try to survive this together, then I think we're fucked. I think we're lost. We're all deeply deeply, deeply in, not even post, current traumatic stress syndrome, without question. Mm -hmm. We won't really learn it until later. I can now say this safely as someone who was physically in the city when 9-11 happened. Years later, looking back and then hearing from my friends and us recounting how we were behaving post 9-11, we all had and I used to think this shit was cheesy. I thought it made you weak because that's a Latin thing, right? We're like, no, I'm fine. I'm I'm strong. I'm I'm like, no, everything's fine. Like, fuck therapy. I, I all of us had such PTSD from that situation. As much as my pride didn't want to admit that, and right now we are traumatized by the current situation of health, politics, and all the fucking above. Right? Work. Yeah. Everything. 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 And so it's easiest to attack the people you love, be it a public figure or be it some colleague 
that you both like did a pivot turn together on stage or someone you worked with in a show or to people who aren't theater folks, anyone in your life. People are saying some stupid shit right now, but like, I have to believe that there is some fucking hope. Otherwise it's unbearable. And there has to be some love. It's hard, but there has to be some love, which is ironic because if Christians actually believed in the teachings of Jesus, this would be a much cooler world. Yeah, and I think that the way that the world is reacting right now, as far as like the progressive side of things, it's coming from definitely coming from anger and coming from like a shit, like why aren't you understanding? Like, so I think that that's where that's coming from. But I think you're absolutely right as far as the empathy thing. I think there is a light at the end of this tunnel, and we have to have as many people along this journey with us and being like, okay, Aunt Susan, you don't understand this now. I still love you. I'm going to love you from afar. I don't trust you right now. Yep. We will figure this out. But I, I mean, I, I have to say too, like, I can't tell you how many family members I've blocked on social media because I'm just like, you're just trolling me at this point. And, and the fact that you're not willing to listen to the other end of it, but willing to yell at me for something is it's insidious. And so when it comes to all of this with, you know, having a vaccine and no and social distancing and wearing masks and all of this stuff, like we have to understand that it just takes other people some extra time to learn. One million percent. I mean, look at the three of us can be all together right now through software, right? So everything is kind of instant in a weird way. And I think that what what this technology is doing to us, and I can say this as someone who did not grow up with technology, we used to have to fucking wait. Like the, I remember as a kid, the anticipation of like getting a package in the mail was, oh my god, you know. Like I grew up with CDs, and we would order the CDs from the CD club, yep. and I was so excited when the CD showed like up to get to yeah, it. yeah, exactly. And like it, I, I just remember the the thrill of of waiting. What are you doing today? I'm waiting for my Whitney Houston CD. <laughs> mine was, that wasn't the first sign that I was gay. I, I don't know what is. Mine was waiting for the VHS for Darren's dance grooves so that I could learn all of Bye Bye Bye. Oh <laughs> my God. <laughs> That's how I knew I was gay. <laughs> oh, wow. That just hit really close. Wow. Darren's like, dance groove. I just want to learn, learn uh, you drive me crazy. And then just like do it. Wow. Some gay psychic across the world right now just like turned their head in yes. recognition. Just had <laughs> One, a full Vaxo Raven moment about that. <laughs> One million percent. And conversely, when I, I, I was a dance teacher for years and years and years, when I first started teaching, what we now call hip hop. I'm putting quotes up, everyone. I remember it was Aaron Salazar, New York City guest artist, teaching video style dance. I will never forget initially teaching video style dance. And I was like, yeah, so this is how you dance like the people in the videos. Uh, I mean, we do what we do to pay our bills, right? Oh my God. I, I mean, is there any. I love your B boy voice. This is not how we're going to do it. <laughs> to be honest with you, looking back at that time in my life, because you, I used to tell everyone, I'm like, if I can do this, you can do this. Because something would happen. I'd put my hat on, the music would turn on, and I swear to, to, to a higher power, something happened to me that wasn't me. I don't know what happened, but something happened. And I, it's that thing that I, I feel like is the magic of all performers, is that that thing happens, and none of us know what it is, which is my favorite part about the arts. Something starts to happen, right? 
And I don't think any of us would ever dare try to really scientifically quantify what it is because then it's gone. You know what I'm saying? It's like Absolutely. the wizards and the wizards and Harry Potter, they just knew and they thought and then it happened, but they didn't really question why it happened. They just knew when it wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's a big part of of the arts, isn't it? All it's happening, you don't really know why. I mean, we know that like we've spent a lot of money training for it, but then it happens. By the way, as I'm doing this, I'm literally making a wand gesture to the boys, which is I don't it's not going well. So <laughs> Okay, I think it's time. I think it's time. I'm glad you guys have been giving me a lot of feedback on this. We're going to take a much-needed meditation break. So if this is your second time around, get into it. Get ready, get cozy. Take a moment. You can press pause before it happens. And uh, let's all breathe together. And we'll be right back. Hi, this is Aaron, your host and producer of the show. So there's a lot happening right now in the world. And rather than take a moment to have a commercial, I thought it would be nice for us to take a moment and recalibrate. How does that sound? Excellent. Okay, so get comfortable, and we're going to take a deep breath in. And a deep breath out. Deep breath in. And just let it out. All right. Now close your eyes and breathe normally. Perfect. I hope you feel a little better now. And just remember, you are perfect. And you are loved. Okay. Let's get back to the show. And we're back. I hope everyone feels a little refreshed, took a little breather, and we're going to keep talking, and now my voice will eventually come back to normal. All right, so, Cheech, Danny, Aaron, Gen XYZ walk into a bar. That's the start of a joke. Uh, I I couldn't follow through. I didn't figure out that part of it. And the bar was closed. And the bar was closed. 
Oh, man. So that's a great segue, Danny, into what we want to touch base on next. The effect of what it has been to be an artist during this pandemic with Shelter in Place and the way it has affected all of us. But more so, I think it's important that we get honest about how we're all coping, for better or for worse, on the daily. Because I think we're all trying to keep our head up, and I think everyone's doing a really wonderful job. But it's important to know that um, I, I'm sure it's just been a journey for everyone, and I think it's important that we all know that we're not alone. Danny, how's it, how's it been for you? You know, it's been pretty good. Um, I have to say I am very privileged in the fact that like, I'm not currently worrying about my rent. I have the money, I have the means to do that, and I can feed myself. And my family has been pretty safe in this whole situation. Um, I've been trying to spend a lot of this time in quarantine reassessing not only myself, mm-hmm. but what it is that I'm doing in business and what it is that I want to be doing in business because doing something in business and actually having like a, a desire to do something else are kind of two different things. Yes. I go to work because I need to pay my bills. I do my work because I love it. Cheers. And it's two different things. And um, that was a big reason why I started the the production company is because I knew that there was a lot of stuff that I want to be helping develop um, for people. And there are a lot of people that are like, hi, I can't tell you how many times a week I get a text message or a DM that's like, hey, I have this idea of this show. I don't know what to do with it. I don't know how to do it, but I'm interested in doing this. And so often I'm like, you think I know how to do this? I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm doing the thing. And that's how you learn. Which is interesting, right? Because everyone, no one really knows until you do it. Which is something to unpack as well, is that elusive word producer. But we'll more on that in just a second. Cheech, as a performer, how has this process been for you? And however you feel comfortable elaborating on that. I think if I can be real for a second, I I think it's been really frustrating. Yeah. I I think there's such an emphasis right now on um, trying to be, uh, trying to put on like that kind of actor face that comes along with having a certain following. But the reality of it is that this has been incredibly frustrating on many, many, many levels just the simple fact that we can't do the thing that we want to be doing mm-hmm. uh, all the way to other random aspects of our life that people who come to see the show may not know exist. Like, for example, for me, it's, uh, I, I, I teach a lot or I did teach a lot when the show was happening. And one of the reasons that I taught a lot was because I was able to make myself available in a way that some of the larger leads of our show could not um, mm-hmm. because they were, you know, they they were getting paid more and they had press events and they were tired from, you know, leading the show. And so yeah. I, I was able to go teach a class before a two show day. And wow. now that the pandemic has happened, myself, along with all of the incredible ensemble members in our show that are such incredible devoted teachers like we can't get a class to save our life because yeah. all of the leads of our show are available all the time now. So like all of the classes are going to the people who are already getting paid the most in our show. 
And like, these are things that people who, who are like part of the Broadway fandom, maybe don't realize that like, this is part of our livelihood as, as actors. And so this has affected a lot of different aspects of our life, even beyond the simple fact that like, we miss being on stage and having to take the time and say to myself and go, oh, you know what? I am just so frustrated with this thing and I can't fake it on social media mm. was, was kind of a big step for me to go like, I can't really fake enthusiasm on social media right now because I'm not really happy with the way my life is right now. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I think that's, I think that's like kind of a, a scary thing to admit publicly mm. in public sphere. It's a very scary thing to go. I'm not currently happy. I have this level of success that I've built up. Yes. And yet in this moment, I'm not happy yes. because it can come across as greedy. It can come across as selfish, um, as not looking at the bigger picture. And, and trust me, like I, I'm trying my best to do the work and look at the bigger picture. And sometimes it's really hard. Um, and on a day-to-day basis, sometimes, you know, I wake up and I feel good and I, I get my, my jog in and I've yeah. eaten my Brussels sprouts and I feel like I'm like taking care of myself and contributing to society. And other days I wake up and I'm like, what is the point if I can't do any of the things that I'm trained to do? Yeah. Well, there's this idea of the false positivity, like this toxic positivity thing going on in social media, as far Mm -hmm. as like, Mm -hmm. I remember at the very beginning of this pandemic, the first part of the lockdown was like, Shakespeare wrote this blah, blah, blah. Like he wrote his most successful thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm just like, okay, cool. No, that's not for everybody. That's not everybody's journey. So like you admitting that you're frustrated and that like, finding other avenues to kind of supplement that and to try to channel that frustration into some art, I think is what we all should be doing. Well, and also I really appreciate your candor and honesty and just straight up talking also about our fucking livelihoods. That is some real shit right now. I know that we're all aware of it, but I'm sure that much like in the way we think about death, it's sort of these hues of like magenta and like orange. No, let's talk about facts. Most of us lost our livelihood. I completely mm-hmm. identify with you, Teach. I was on this upward trajectory as a director and a producer. I had a play. I had a residency. I had a almost 10-week, four-story in prime Chelsea real estate immersive show I was doing. I was about to be like keynote speak. I was keynote speaking at a lot of things. And then I was getting ready to sign the deal for a, a 10-week run of an October show. And... I was directing a touring competition on the fucking weekends. In 72 hours, everything burned to the ground. Now, I am not saying that to dismiss that death was happening. But right. to say that it did not affect me on a very deep level would be lying. And to say yeah. that I'm still like much like you, people have been saying some very kind shit to me. People have been telling me they're impressed with my hustle and et cetera. And it's very touching. And I'm really happy that that's the energy that I'm putting out there in the world. But the truth of the matter is I've had to diversify out of necessity to figure out how to survive. 
a lot of this is actually the planting of seeds mm-hmm. that I hope eventually will turn into some form of monetization. Con limon is exactly yeah. that. Exactly, exactly. We're planting these seeds because, I mean, right now, a lot of the things we're working on, we're not getting paid for. Have I been fortunate enough to do some other things on the side? Sure. I, I thought about this yesterday, Teach, to, to identify with what you were saying. Yesterday, I was up. I'm like doing more admin now than ever, right? Which is fine. Mm-hmm. That's part of being a, a creator and a director and a producer. And I've been getting mad at myself. I talked to my therapist about this, guys. Therapy's great. If you guys go to therapy. Go to therapy if you can, or even talk space. I'm not gonna I shouldn't say that they're not sponsoring us. <laughs> Actually, there's a resource for that. Um, I'll 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 put that out there. New York City has free therapists therapists right now, especially in New York City if you're listening in New York. And I'm I and I actually encourage anyone in other states, it's very possible you also have you don't even realize that there are probably a group of therapists who are available right now civically to help a lot of people through this. But I was talking to my therapist about it and she flinched because I, I told her, I said, well, I think inherently maybe I'm kind of lazy. And she goes, why would you say that about yourself? And it's because when I feel like I'm not a- achieving my goals on a daily basis at the thousand miles an hour that I was when the world mm-hmm. was open, I feel like a fucking failure. And honestly, I get so overwhelmed by feelings of failure that I can't even see the light. Now, granted, that only lasts maybe for like an episode during the day. But it's something that I struggle with, even though to the outside world, hello, we're all on a mic right now. I'm just cranking out content. But I like much like you, it's hard to say that I'm like, I am thrilled to be and grateful that I'm healthy. The people in my circle are healthy. I'm I'm so happy to be healthy every day. I'm there's no way around that. But there are days where I am overwhelmed with the, the unhappiness of everything that has been worked for can't be manifested right now by something that I have no control over. Which again, I, I'm feeling exactly what you're feeling, Cheech. I feel selfish saying it, but I think it's important to say as artists. Yeah. And I think I think a lot of people at at um that belong to the Broadway fandom, they see the actors on stage as just that, as actors, right? But if we take a second to demystify actors into real people and not in the way that like someone posted a makeupless photo on Instagram, but in a real mm-hmm. actual way. At the start of this pandemic, I was uh 20 I just turned 24. I was coming off of my uh second year of being in a Broadway show. I was coming off my first big TV credit. I had huge upward momentum with the casting directors in the city that I wanted. I was really, I was getting the callbacks that I wanted and I was just starting, really, Mm -hmm. truly just starting to make a recognizable name for myself in the industry. And when that came not only to it, like a screeching halt, but it came along with this feeling of like going backwards because I wasn't able to get the same kind of recognition that I was getting that other people who were already more well-established in the industry were getting or the work opportunities that the other people in the industry were getting. I mean, the kind of impact that that has not on an actor in quotation marks, Mm -hmm. but on like a real honest to God, 24 year old, paying their own taxes, paying their own rent, living in New York City, Mm -hmm. 
I mean, it, it's it's kind of overwhelming. Oh, it's completely um, overwhelming. Yeah. One million percent. And like, and- uh, for me, like when it comes to that too, it's like this idea, I'm lethargic all the time. And I don't know if that's like me, like not having enough iron or not eating enough or ha- being too caffeinated or under caffeinated. I don't know. But Hello. but this idea for me, and I've have been able to pinpoint that with therapy, is this idea of, wow, you hustle. Good for you. I wish I could do that. Puts so much pressure on me that yes. makes me feel like I have to burn out in order to make people proud. And that is insane to me. We are not machines. We need to take mental health days. We need to be taking care. The, the, I think, Cheech, what you're saying as far as um, you know, getting this momentum and feeling like you were at the peak of like where this was going to go and then just having it completely stop and really um, digress is, I feel that all the time. I feel, I feel like such a sham being like, here's the thing that I'm doing because I feel like if I'm writing a pilot right now, who yeah. can look at this pilot? Who is going to produce this pilot? Is it's it- the imposter syndrome thing. Yeah. And, and yeah, I think it's just, it resonates with so many people. And the fact that the three of us are feeling this right here, I know so many people listening are also going to have felt that. And let me speak because these two young men are feeling this, right? with all their vim and vigor, I'm speaking to everyone over 38, okay? As a 40-fucking-year-old man, I frankly was a little... And now, actually, I can pinpoint this now because I'm past this emotion because I know it wasn't my fault. But I was kind of humiliated, to be honest with you, when everything left. And all of a sudden, because I am a freelance, like everyone is in the arts, I... I was fortunate enough that smart enough that I've always kept a taxed side gig that I've had for years. So that that's really what helped me just to be transparent with unemployment. But I was a little humiliated to all of a sudden, to your thought, Cheech, to be like this dude that was in demand to just not. Yeah. And then on top of that, for the first time in 20 years, I'm going to say this for everyone so you don't feel shame. My fucking family had to pay that first month's rent when the pandemic hit. And I've yeah, never asked same. them for anything. And they'd actually, we're not that kind of family. We're not a, a rich family. But like my grandparents and my mom were like, how much is your rent? Because they knew. Mm-hmm. They were just like, you just lost all of your income. You know? You were already and, paying month to month. And I got to say that I I didn't feel shame for that. I was very grateful that my family could help me, but I have never felt that before. I was like, what the fuck? The one thing that I think is important to hear as well is that the feelings that that these young people are feeling, <laughs> I say that not as a pejorative, compared to like someone like me who's in my 40s, it is an odd sensation that two multiple generations are having feelings of self-worth, right? Because mm-hmm. we are in an industry that is graded by the manifestation of our work being executed. Mm-hmm. So if our work isn't being executed in front of an audience because the trees wow. in the forest, no one hears it fall, right? Well, I'm doing all this shit, but is anyone hearing it? Is anyone watching it? Is anyone dot, 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 in and it? You know, and then as we became into the awakening of racial injustice happening, which forced all people who were not Black, one, to check their own bullshit, Right. And then to think about how am I supporting my black brothers and sisters Mm. as a non-white person, 
right? Then I think a lot of us had to start thinking about what is the content of what I'm putting out in the world? It actually matters. Yeah. Like what the, what I need to work on next, which isn't to say that we were all assimilating out of out of anything dark, but I think that we were all just trying to survive. Mm. And so now we're all in a pause as artists where we're thinking, what am I putting out in the world? How am I contributing and how am I supporting my Black brothers and sisters and also being an ally as a non-white person in the arts? So all this shit hits our head on top of being, for most of us, broke. What the fuck did we think was going to happen? Yeah, absolutely. Did we think we were going to wake up and be like, you know what? Pilates. Because I was shocked. Yeah. I was taken aback when I'm like, why am I not doing more yoga and Pilates? What is wrong with me? Dude, you're, you're everything, your whole world has imploded and you're surrounded by death. Yeah. And you're broke. I think we're allowed to have a moment. Yeah. The way- yeah. And by and large, it's like, our, I, don't, I don't know. I feel like artists have this reputation of being like bohemian go with the flow, easy, breezy, beautiful people. But I'm a very type A person. Like I Mm -hmm. I like to have a plan. Mm -hmm. When we, when we got into this, we meaning myself and my parents decided that I was going to go into the arts. Their whole thing was that you can go as long as you get into one of the best schools, work your hardest and, and do it in a way that will set you up for success. Mm -hmm. It wasn't because I, you know, like loved, I I don't love Protection. not having a plan doing things, you know, <laughs> like I, I'm not like a huge fan of like improvising my life. Like I, I like to have a, a path set forward Yeah, and you know, that might be, that might hit some people's ears in a strange way to think that like artists sometimes have plans that they're in the process of executing and those plans have been interrupted. That that's also another thing. And, you know, to kind of go off that, like, I don't know how the two of you feel about this. So I will, I will open this up into a question, but I don't think now is the time to ask artists for favors. Like, I don't think it's the time to ask theater artists to donate their, their skill set outside of the world of like be it being for a good cause I think there's a lot of people right now that in this less formal format in the um, digital world are asking to asking people to do things for them cabarets and stuff. for free. Cabarets are are asking to I see. Um, I see. Are asking to donate their time and their skill set for like classes because they feel like it's less formal now that we're all online. And my kind of mindset is that unless it's for, you know, unless I'm raising money for BCFA or like, unless I'm, I'm raising money for, uh, a, Black Lives Matter. An, yeah. An organization. Like, I, I don't think now is the time to go to an entire industry that has been like sidewalled and go give us even more. Yeah. And I, I'm having a little bit of a, uh, I, I'm deep within a Broadway cares equity fights aids event. I'm, I'm deep in that. So almost every single one of my asks have been, hi, we're doing this for charity. I'm sorry to have to ask. I know that we're all struggling and are having a hard time. What can you provide? We can maybe give you a stipend is the most soul crushing thing because in my brain as the producer, 
I also am not making any money on this as well. So it's like, right. it's terrifying. But I think, I think when it comes to monetary gain, that's outside of we're raising money for COVID relief for our, our industry. Like that's, that's what we're raising the money for. So that's something that is like very deep in our minds. But I think this like idea of, well, my school's doing a, like a digital cabaret. Would you get a teach? Will you guest star on it? Is not the tea on that. What I think the flip side of that is that it's a positive thing is that it's bringing a lot of people together mm. who may have never had the opportunity to connect and realize mm. Yo, much like Voltron, I think you kids call it Power Rangers, if we all combine together, we're actually a stronger unit. So what if we get together and start to develop something and marry our skills to start creating the next wave of much-needed material for this industry? That's what I've been dumbfounded by. Yeah, is the writers I've been introduced to, mm-hmm. the actors I've been introduced to, getting to know you too, getting to know people, getting to share our thoughts, and realizing that until we were forced to stand still, we may not ever have been able to connect in this way. And that is a level of internal connection that I think the one thing we have is our time. So we're giving each other the value of our time mm-hmm. in order to create or put out into the world something that is not there right now, in particular as not white people in the arts. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Because yeah, I don't have to, we don't have to expound on that right now because we, we, we did in episode five. But that I find to be very heartening mm-hmm. because the truth of the matter is the thing that's the most scrappy about theater is you just need someone with an idea. And then the people with the ideas are the IP, so they're the value. But the people with the ideas rarely have the money unless they're icons, you know? Even Steven Schwartz, I I could be wrong. Someone correct me. Send me a comment. Even with all his money, it took how many years? Like 10 years plus just to get Wicked up? Right. And he's an icon. Let alone all of us who aren't icons. I think it's cool that we're connecting and creating as a unit to value and to honor each other's value. Yeah, and I think that right now the idea is to get out as much product as possible because we are in quarantine and because all we have is time. And I think I like to look at it as right now is an incubation period where we plant those seeds, we nurture those seeds, we start seeing what other seeds there are as far as mm-hmm. like reaching out to people that are outside of our circle. And, you know, this podcast being one of them and having a better relationship with the two of you is doing that. You know what I mean? There's this is putting in the work because now I understand how you guys align. Exactly. Exactly. Right. For better or for worse. Totally. (laughs) But it's an interesting thing, right? Because going out into a public forum and actually speaking your thoughts was the whole Genesis. And I'm not saying this to like fucking, plug the show. But the one thing I kept thinking, I'm like, why is no one letting these theater artists get on a mic and actually talk about some real shit? Like, let's put away the facade. This isn't about our bios, right? Let's actually put something out there. Because frankly, too, conversation is part of activism and protest. Yeah. Yeah. It's part of it. There are many facets, everyone, to activism and protest, right? Right. There are many facets including the badasses who first jumped onto the streets with signs. 
but there's a continual conversation that needs to keep going. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that I'm happy that all of us are contributing to in our own small way. We've been very frank about how we're feeling, which I think is important. We need to be authentic. But what have been some of the ways, though, on a daily basis that you've been able to keep your spirits at an even keel and to to keep that dopamine floating above water? For me, I've started to kind of set up a working area. That's kind of how I kind of start my day. I'll have my coffee, have my breakfast, um, and do that whole shenanigans. But like when I'm getting into work mode, I light a candle and Mm. and I do that for some time because of the station. I put some music on or I'll put a podcast on and I just go into my work zone and I just crank things out. When I get tired or feel like I need a break, I take that break. I take that nap. I I stop for the day. I do whatever I need. I mentally need in order to continue forward because we have to take care of ourselves. And the other thing that I've been trying to do every single day, not only with the advocacy part and like learning and, and trying to decipher what I should and shouldn't be saying on certain matters or where it is my place. I've also been reaching out to people that I have neglected and reached out to them to be like, hi, I'm checking in with you. I know that we've lost touch. I'm checking in because you mean the world to me. And I, I just want to see how you're doing and check in. I think check-ins are such a good thing for the soul. And it, there's a lot of healing that can be done with that. Because you will, it, when you reach out to those people that you've lost touch with, you will find out how much hurt has come behind that. Where you're like, where you had the falling out. And there's so much healing that can be done right now in this time. And I think that that's really important in this period of time is to kind of get your community back. Circle back with some love, for sure. What about you, Jeech? I think earlier on in the pandemic, I really fell into the trap of, oh, when we we come back from this, I need to have something to show for Mm -hmm. it. Yes. Like I, I, I started... I actually just recently completed the first like rough working draft of my first screenplay. And I thank you. Thank you. But like, while I was working on it, I, there was a good portion in the middle of it where I was like, I have to, I have to do this. Otherwise like we'll be gone for a certain amount of months and I'll come back. And what, what will I have to show for it? What, what will people Mm -hmm. think that I did for those months? Um, And I started to feel that mindset bleed into other aspects of my life. I took up running, Mm -hmm. um, mostly to see if I could go running and not post about it on social media. (laughs) And so I, but I started to feel myself like running for the sake of having something to, to show for it, having something to prove. And so I've started to, on a day-to-day basis, ask myself, okay, am I doing this? Because I feel like I have to? Am I doing this because I feel like I, I want other people to know that I'm working? Or am I doing this because this is what brings me some joy? Mm. Or am I doing this because I want to be working on this right now? Um, and I'm not going to lie, it's been a difficult kind of retraining of my brain. Um, but I, I have felt myself um, feeling less. Uh, concerned all the time and doing better work as a result of it, which I mean, as someone who is so like, I, I I think of myself as very driven, ambitious person, like 
doing good work brings me a lot of joy. And so the fact that I'm able to, you know, give my brain a bit of a break, give myself a little bit of slack, and that in turn creates some better work is is kind of a really lovely release for me. Tish, what is your sign? My sign? Uh-huh. Yeah. What's your sign? Uh, I'm a Pisces. Oh, of course okay. you are. Of course. I'm a Pisces too. I had a feeling. Of course you're a fucking Pisces. <laughs> When's your birthday? March 1st. Uh, March yeah. 11th. There it is. Yep. I, like I had a feeling. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, this young person seems oddly empathetic. Um, <laughs> a little too thoughtful. For my liking, but that's those are positive traits that I will prejudge about Pisces because mm-hmm. I have no no sense of um yeah I'm not objective I'm not objective mm-hmm. I have no objectivity but yeah of course you're Pisces what are you Danny Capricorn Capricorn Andy everything about me that I don't know what all right everyone so what you got to do right now is look up Pisces and look up Capricorns and then keep listening to this and see if you pick up any traits that's a fun little quarantine <laughs> game we're gonna play now the signs of the current tenure of August, for fuck's sake, a theater podcast. I'm so happy that we really mentioned all this. And, you know, the physical health part of it is obviously, it is, it's infuriating because especially like, you know, as a gay, all these gays being like snatched, right? Like during the pandemic. (laughs) And I'm like, like, what the actual fuck? I remember feeling resentful about it because one guy goes, don't, don't stop working out. And I'm like, fuck you, dude. I'm like, fuck you. I'm like, shut up. Shut up. I, the best thing I read is that your body is trying to keep you alive. And if you having some carbohydrates is part of that right now, then just accept it, you know? And because it's a, it's a hard thing for all of us to, we are vain. We, we live now on camera. So your vanity is really high. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to tell everyone, physical activity is obviously, duh, I'm not a doctor. It's obviously great. It's great for yourself. Your serotonin levels jump up. Like immediately when I do yoga, I'm like, fuck, I feel great. Like I hate it. I hate getting ready for it. And I'm like, I don't know. I, don't, I can't. <laughs> if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm a certain size, no one will love me, which is also part of the fascism of bodies, right? Mm-hmm. That's a whole fucking conversation we can have. Oh, yeah. I would love to go there. Yeah, just going there about that shit. So it's like, exactly, Chish. I'm glad you brought that up. Who am I trying to make happy? And the three of us, if it's okay for me to say, all of us are in relationships. So we know that some fucking person is like, yeah, you're cute. So, but, And even then there's pressure, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, who are we trying to make happy? Mm-hmm. You know? And I will say one thing, too, that has been nice. I feel very, very lucky. It has been nice to have someone to have by my side that's been quarantined to release that as well. So I I have a lot of empathy for people who haven't been able to have, let's let's just say it, it's deeper than sex, just to have that intimacy because we've been so torn away from intimacy with another person, just in terms of just having someone that you can let your guard down with, right? That isn't a roommate or your family. So that's, I, I'm actually very grateful for that. I wasn't expecting that to happen, but it's just, it's what happened prior. I don't know if that's been helpful for you guys as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, just to be like, I'm in a bad mood. No, you're doing great. Okay. Okay. I'm going to go take a nap now. Yeah. I'm going to leave you alone now. Yeah. Getting permission to do things is like really, really lovely sometimes. Mm-hmm. Being like, oh, I just feel like I want to go take a nap. And then being like, you know, you could like do that and that would be okay. 
and me being like, oh, I guess you're right. And going and doing. Yeah, it's so true. (laughs) Sometimes it's just nice to have someone be like, you can, you can go do this thing and that's going to be okay. You do realize how many listeners right now are like, they lost me. (laughs) Um, If you are single and you are listening to this right now, I I give you permission, not that you need it, but I give you permission (laughs) to go do the thing. If you need to go eat the cookies, go eat the cookies. If you need to go take the nap, go take the nap. If, if you want to, you know, like sit in your shower and cry for a little bit, listening to some music and being in your feelings, like you go do that. Mm -hmm. And I will love you on the other side of that. Amen. Okay. That goes for me. I'm 100% there with you as well, everyone. You have that permission. Please, tears, crying, my bottom lip starts quivering apropos of nothing (laughs) a few times a week where I'm like, I want to cry. Okay. All right. Well, let's live this shit out. Better to have a foreshock than an earthquake. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it's better. You know, honestly, it's like, okay, well, I'm a little like... Because, you know, we're so overwhelmed. Like, to be honest with you, sometimes I'll finish editing the show and I get a little teary, not out of uh, sadness or frustration, but because there's been so much dopamine leading up to that place that to accomplish a goal right now, mm-hmm. I get a little overwhelmed. And I'm like, oh, I did a thing. I did the thing. Okay. All right. I did something. And we are not sound bites. We are not thumbprints that are justified by people liking us. We are not a hashtag. We are fucking human beings who are allowed to feel everything. And you are allowed to feel everything. And just know everyone on this panel loves you. And I know that's a weird thing to say to people, but like you have to understand that, I'm going to say this, and I have to say this almost for myself, people love you. People love you. And it's hard to see it. And the hardest thing to do is to accept love. I can say that to you as an older man. But the second you allow yourself to accept that love, everything kind of changes. And it, and romantic love is one ring of that love. It's just one thing. And romantic love, it should be said too, as a man who's had many relationships, that shit does not define you on any level. It's a wonderful thing to have if it happens. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's fucking awful. But there are so many people around that love you. Try to tap into that shit. It's hard. It's very hard. But just know that you are loved. And there are so many people that love you from afar. Yes. And and I think that that is the most important thing to recognize is that while people are not directly liking your stuff, there will be people that are in your corner that have been saying, I've been watching you for years, cheering you on, and I didn't want to interrupt your life. But I am so proud of you. I'm proud of what you've accomplished and who you are as an individual. And I've been cheering you on from the side for years. You you will you will absolutely find that there are absolutely those people, and that's something to remember. Absolutely. Well, I I mean, there's nowhere to go from there, guys. You are loved, yep. and we hope that you're enjoying this journey. Thank you so much for listening. It really, I'm incredibly touched by that level of love. If you really are liking it, if you have the bandwidth, I totally get it. We're so zonked out on on the computers. But if you want to leave a review and a rating, I would love just to hear from you and see what you think. Also, do us a favor. We've got two more episodes. If you follow the Instagram, it's 4FS underscore podcast. Slide up in those DMs, as you young people say, and 
Let us know if there's anything you want us to talk about. I love, love, love hearing from you. It's so great. And we're 100% open to talk about whatever topics you feel are in the zeitgeist right now and to flesh that out for you. And if we talk about it, we'll, we'll, we'll give you a shout out on air. I'm just incredibly moved that people are listening to this, that they're giving feedback, that Cheech and Danny are here giving me their time, that Jason's giving me their time. This has really been an incredible journey. Everyone, with that, please, 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 I'm sending these good vibes out to you. Be healthy, be actionable, and most importantly, be authentic. Much love. For Fuck's Sake Podcast is brought to you by Alvarez Kiko Salazar Productions, hosted and produced by Aaron Salazar. Original music by Manuel Paleo and Giancarlo Bonfanti. Please like, rate, and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at 4FS underscore podcast and on Twitter and Facebook at 4FS Podcast. Thanks so much. Much love.